We're doing kind of a three-parter on freedom, and we started talking about freedom last Sunday. And if I were to ask you, if we were sitting today at a restaurant together, just the two of us, and I would say, do you want to be free? You would say what? Of course. You would say yes. Nobody wants to be entrapped. I mean, everybody wants to be free. And nobody wants to continue to struggle with the same challenges, the same temptations. We all have this deep desire within us to be free. And and yet we're not quite sure, thank you, dear, we're not quite sure always how to get there. So it's not like we don't want to be free. We all want to be free. But we're not quite sure how can I get free from those things that still trip me up. So let me ask you some questions. Are, Are you free this morning? Did you sleep eight hours last night? Well, I wasn't really asking for an answer. I was, I was kind of a rhetorical, but, but you're honest. I always get honesty out of it. Absolutely. Are, are, are you free from peer pressure? Okay. All right. Are, are you free from worry, anxiety? Are, are, are you free to forgive people? Are you free to love people? Are you free to, be, to honor people? Are, are, are you envious and jealous when something good happens to a brother or sister? Or can you like do backflips and rejoice when something good happens? Are, are you free from addictions today? Are you free from abuses today? Are you free from too much? And you can fill in the blanks. Are you free from not enough? And, and you can fill in the blanks. Are you free from? And are you free for? Are you free for that which God has in store for you? Well, if, if you're new to, to church and you haven't been to church in a while, this is a great Sunday because I'm going to really explain the big picture, but we're also going to go deep and into the weeds, and you're going to help, hopefully, see some areas of your life and some paths to freedom. You know, you can always listen to someone, and you can tell whether or not they're free. It's not like we don't have challenges. I'm I'm not saying ignore problems. You cannot ignore problems. There are problems in this world. But you can always tell how someone responds to problems by what they say about the circumstances and the situation that they're in. All you have to do is listen for just a few minutes, and you know whether or not a person has hope, a person has dreams, a person is forward-seeking, or a person is worried and anxious and negative and a downward spiral. Listen to the words of Moses today. And as we start off with Moses at age 80, he's in a tunnel. He is spiraling downward, and he's really not in a good place. And I want you to hear how he talks to God. And I want you to think this morning as we begin this message how you talk to God. We're going to tape you sometime. We're going to come into your bedroom and have a little phone and tape you and play it in front of everybody. All right, here's Moses. So 40 years, he's been out there in the wilderness. He's now 80 years old, and he was to be the Savior. He was to be the the prince of Egypt who would save the people, the Redeemer. And yet he fell and had a bad fall and killed somebody and had to flee for his life. And so he's now out there for 40 years. And so God says, and God comes to him, and you remember the whole burning bush thing, we're just past that. God now comes to Moses, and he's heard the cries of his people, 
and he sees the needs of the people, and now he has chosen Moses to get back on the horse, so to speak, and do his job. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites, Jebusites. I call them the ites. There's just lots of ites. You can call them termites if you want to, but they're a problem. Lots of ites in the land. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. See, God has heard something. God has heard their cries. He always hears your plea. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, if that was your call, and God comes to you, and God speaks to you, you would assume the very next line would be, Here I am, Lord, send me. I'm your man, I'm your woman, whatever you want me to do, God, you're large and in charge, I'm your guy. Here's what he says. Well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He's lost all hope. His family is in slavery, his sister and his brother. Yes, he's married. Yes, he's got a father-in-law and a mother-in-law, but he doesn't even have his own flock. He's been highly educated, special forces training. He was designed to be the next Pharaoh. He was the prince of Egypt. And now he's out here wandering in the wilderness, tending sheep, really going nowhere. Maybe you feel that way today. Maybe we've caught you today at a really bad time. Maybe this morning we've caught you at a time where you go, I'm not really sure I'm in a better shape than Moses is. Who am I? Why should I do this? God said, well, okay, all right, I'll be with you, and this will be a sign to you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. All these verses are on your app, your Bible app. You want to t- turn your Harborside app? All these are there and some fill-ins too in just a minute. Well, Moses said, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and I, sa- and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What's going on here? He feels insecure. He feels hopeless. Listen to his language. You can always tell about someone's faith, not by their problems, but by, but by how they respond to their problems. Then what shall I tell them? Well, tell them this, I am who I am. And that's a whole sermon in and of itself. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I mean, that should have been the, the deal breaker right there, right? That should have ended the conversation. I am who I am. I am eternal. I am preexistent. I am forever. This should have stopped everything. But Moses is going to argue with God. Do you argue with God about your problems? Nah, not this church. None of us. We're too spiritual for that. So God also said to Moses, Well, say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. And, well, this is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. And chapter 4, Moses said, Well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And they say the Lord did not appear to me. Now, I want to talk about your language this morning. It's not that you don't have problems. It's not that you won't have problems. You you will have problems. This earth is a problem-seeking universe. This earth is a problem-solving universe. It's not that there are not problems on this earth. 
we could talk about problems from now until till Easter, right? I mean, there are problems politically. There are problems morally. There are problems educationally. There are problems with mental health. There's problems with physical health. We could talk about problems all day long. The difference is, <clears throat> what reality are you going to live in? And here's my point this morning. There are two realities. There's a reality of the seen world, and there's the reality of the unseen world. And you have to decide which of those two realities you're going to spend most of your time and your emotional capital in. It's not that those two realities don't exist. They do exist. There is the seen world, the earth in which we live in, and it's filled with problems. Jesus himself said, you will have problems. But Jesus himself also finished that passage of Scripture by saying, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so there is also an unseen world, an unseen reality. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you've never been to church before, this is where you think we're a little bit weird, but I'm going to explain the whole story to you. As a believer, you were given God's Holy Spirit. And this was always God's dream. It was God's dream that someday the Holy Spirit would come and live inside of you. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, we see glimpses. We see curtains being pulled back. We see pieces of the Holy Spirit. But never, never does this happen until Jesus Christ comes in, in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, where the Spirit actually comes inside of us. And the whole goal was for Christ to live inside of you the hope of glory. And we see this throughout the entire Old Testament. God was in a tent, God was in a tabernacle, God was in a temple, but now he comes to dwell inside of you and inside of me. This was God's goal all along. And so in every one of us in this room, there are two people. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you've given your life to Christ, there are two people who live inside of you. One is your human spirit, the other is the Holy Spirit. And how this differs today, it's so unique today, it's so special today, is the fact that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit kind of visited you. It was like visitation. It would come and it would go. It would come on Elijah and it would go. It would come on a king and it would go. It would come on Esther and it would leave. In the Old Testament, it was like visitation. But you and I live in the New Testament. We live in a different covenant. And in this covenant, it's not visitation, it's habitation. Say that with me. Habitation. It's not visitation. The Spirit's not meant to come on you and inspire you for five minutes or motivate you in your 20s or help you in your 30s or do something in your 70s. Now, at this stage of the game, it's not visitation, it is habitation. And so you don't ignore the reality of your problems. But you were designed to see things that the normal common person cannot see. You were built to hear things that the person without the Spirit could never hear. You are meant to think completely different from those people who do not have the Spirit of the living God. There's nothing ordinary about you. The glory of God is never far from you. All of heaven is attracted to you. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you. And this is why he promises, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. It's habitation. 
I have come now to inhabit you. Completely different than what Elijah or Moses or Abraham or Jacob had. You and I have every day the glory of God never far from us. And all of heaven is attracted to the Holy Spirit that now lives and dwells inside of you. Do you see the advantage that we have? Do you see the perk? Do you feel the weight of that incredible responsibility and burden? So Jesus comes and he tells people, in this world you will have trials and you will have tribulations, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Christ always leads you into victory. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is victory. And so I I don't know if you're free. I just know you can be. I don't know if you're free from some of these things. I know you were designed to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now let's kind of dig into this a little bit deeper And start with your state of sin. And I have some really good news for you. I really do. This is great news, what Jesus Christ has done for you. This is absolutely amazing. So see, Jesus does something that is so incredible. He died for you and he died as you. Jesus knew that you could never offer enough good deeds. You could never help enough ladies across the street. You could never give enough money. You could never mentor enough children. He knew that you could never do enough to get saved. You could never save yourself. And so Jesus Christ knew that he would have to be the one to do it. And so he came to save you from your state of sin. It's your state of sin. He killed you off. That's what Romans chapter 6 says. In your baptism, you died. You were buried with him. Now, why did he kill you off? Because it was a whole lot easier to kill you than to try to change you. I mean, if I was the Holy Spirit and I was talking to the Father and the Son and they said, well, let's think about this. Maybe we should just try to change everybody. If I was the Holy Spirit, I'd say, I don't want that job. No, 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 no. And the Father said, we'll just kill off. We'll just kill him. He has killed your state of sin. Your state of sin if you're a Christian, has been destroyed. All your past sins, all your present sins, all your future sins, all of your sins have been killed. This is what he says. And by that will, we've been made holy, set apart through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That's just amazing. He has cleansed you of all of your sins. Now, I didn't say that you didn't have some habits of sin, I didn't say you didn't have some practices of sin. I'm just talking about your state of sin. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, that sacrifice of his blood was good enough to cleanse you of all your past, present, and future sins. Now, that's amazing, isn't it? That's absolutely amazing what the sacrifice of Jesus Christ has done. And so my state of sin has been destroyed. So what the Holy Spirit does after that is he goes, okay, I've destroyed him. I've killed her. I've destroyed that state of sin, but now I'm going to go to work on her. That's the painful part. Now I'm going to go to work on him. 
And the Holy Spirit points to you and puts his finger on an area of your life, which is your next upgrade. It's the next part of your life where he's going to go, you know what? I need to work on him here. I need to work on her there. I'm never going to leave them. I'm never going to let go. I'm going to keep working and working and working and working. Now, I just love this next verse. Listen, to this, watch this next verse. It says, for by one sacrifice... He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now, that's unbelievable. You see, you are complete in Christ as you come into completion. Now, where does that happen? You are complete in Christ as you come into completion. In other words, God gives you everything up front, and then he goes to work on you. God sees you as perfect And then he goes to work on the parts of you that are imperfect. Now, that's hard for us to understand. Because if we have a builder and he's going to build a house for us, I don't think we give him all the money up front. I think he does something and we give a little bit of money. He does something else, we give a little bit of money. That's kind of how we think and kind of how we work. It's not how God works. God sees you as complete. God sees you as holy. God sees you as perfect as he's working on your imperfections. God gives you the fullness up front. I, I, he puts all the chips in the center of the table. God goes all in on you. He's all in. He's not hedging his bets. He's all in. You've got the fullness of God. It's absolutely amazing what God does and how God thinks. And, and so you go, well, I, I'm, I'm not perfect. Well, actually, you are. Yeah, but I'm still struggling with this. I, 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 I know. I got that. But God's talking about your state of sin. And your state of sin is now in a state of absolute perfection. And now he goes to work on you. And he says, all right, I want you to bear fruit for me, 30, 60, 100 fold. All right, now I want you to be free from the love of money. You're forgiven, but you still hold on to money. You still think you're controlling things. All right, you're absolutely free. You're absolutely free, but, but you're a great mom, but you're always worried about your kids. I love your kids more than you do. You, you're absolutely free. Your state of sin has been forgiven, but you're still struggling with, you know, with retirement. You're absolutely free. See, how do you see your problems? Which reality, which world do you choose to live in? You're going to live in one or two realities. And you were designed to see things that are unseeable. You were designed to hear things that are absolutely unhearable. And you are designed to have the glory of God living through you and in you and how you speak about your problems and how you speak about your challenges determines everything. You see, heaven doesn't have any problems. Heaven is not a problem-solving universe. Heaven has no problems. Amen. They agree with me. (laughs) Earth is a problem-solving universe, but heaven isn't. This is why Jesus prayed, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so your job and my job is to see things that nobody else can see. It's to hear things that nobody else can hear. It's to think in a way that nobody else thinks. And so your language will reveal your faith. And so Moses' language in this story 
shows that Moses had zero faith. I'm going to go with you. You're going to go. You're going to fix this. You're going to set the people free. And all Moses can do is, all he can see is the reality of this world. All he can feel is a loser. He doesn't have the faith that God, I am who I am, can solve his incredible problems. Now, friends, I am not minimizing your story, your situation, your problems, your issues. I'm your pastor. I I get this. But I know that I will not help you if I keep you focused on the realities of this world. I know that I will help you the most if I can get you to see an unseen world where the Holy Spirit will help you and guide you and lead you and direct you and open up doors for you that nobody else can ever do. The glory of God is never far from you. And the glory of God lives in you. And Christ has come to help you and to do incredible things. So let me ask this question. How, how do we speak? How do we speak about our problems? May I be so bold as to say your circumstances are not your problems. It's your perception. Amen. It's, it's really your perception of, of what's going on. I love how Jesus handled all this. Jesus was so amazing. You see, in Christ, you don't tackle a problem on the same level as it appears. So they're trying to trap Jesus. Is it lawful to pay taxes? Jesus says, give me a coin. Whose image is on it? Caesar's. Jesus says, render to Caesar what's Caesar's. Render to God what's God. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I'm bigger than the Sabbath. I'm, 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 I'm in charge of the Sabbath. They're out of food. What are we going to do? We don't have any food. Jesus said, bring the little boy to me. We've got a sack lunch, five loaves, two fish. Bring the boy to me. And he feeds the multitudes. You see, Jesus doesn't have the same restrictions that you and I do. And in Christ, you take your problems to Christ. Whether it's challenges as a mom, challenges as a dad, challenges at work, challenges with aging parents, challenges with health. It doesn't matter what the challenges are. How do we speak about our problems? Are we going to be negative and worried and no hope? Or are we going to say, I'm not quite sure how the Lord's going to do this, but he's going to receive glory. I haven't quite figured out what we're going to do with mom and dad, but here's what I'm going to put my faith and trust in. It's how you speak will ultimately determine the direction of your heart and of your life. I love how Christ does this. I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but I thought about, um, I have some floaters in my left eye. And if you've if you're uh, been an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, and you say, I've got things floating in my eye. It's not my brain things are floating. It's my eye, all right? Anybody in the room having floaters in any one of their eyes? Okay, I'm not the only person in the room, all right? And I'll never forget this 20 years ago. They're not, there's just a few. But I'll never forget the ophthalmologist said this. He said, look through them. Learn to look through your floaters so you can see. It, it, it's, I think it's the same in the, this reality versus the unseen reality. Learn to look through this. What's God up to? How's God going to get glory? What's God going to do in my life with this? I, I, I lost a really good friend. Um, be two weeks tomorrow. And Rich Googe of this church, uh, was a great man. He was a Bible college professor, a businessman. And and Rich and I would talk about once a week, and he would do some research, and he would do some writing for me, and I actually have three different people that help me with research, 
and you're going good. We knew we needed lots of help. And I got three different people in the church that actually are volunteers doing research for me on different topics, and it's awesome. It's amazing. Rich was one of those guys that was just really, really creative. And so four years ago, I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'll never forget, I'm there for my parents'. It's my dad's 80th birthday four years ago. And I'm in the parking lot of a Dick's Sporting Good, and I'm going to go buy my parents, like, some lawn furniture or something, you know, that they don't have and probably would never buy, but they would use. And so I'm in the parking lot, and my phone rings, and it's Rich. And I, op- I answer the phone, and Rich tells me, he said, hey, I'm doing great, I just, but I just want you to know I've got the early stages of pancreatic cancer. I'm heartbroken. I love the man. Dear friend of mine, this is the problem when you be a pastor for 15 years. You actually fall in love with your people. It's really heartbreaking when these people get, when you all get sick and you die. It's really challenging. And so Rich said, you know, I've got this, but I'm fine and I'm good. No matter what, I can't lose. And then we go through the next four years and chemo and surgeries and hospitals and lots and lots of pain. And the entire time, Rich was free. I've never seen anybody freer than Rich Gooch. He'd call me up. Yeah, I've been in the hospital for 40 days. 40 days? Yeah, but I'm good, preacher. Preacher, I'm good. Well, how good are you? The Lord's been good to me today. And he'd share a verse. He'd share something on his heart. And I realized your circumstances do not dictate whether or not you are a slave or you are a free man, a slave or a free woman. How do you speak about your problems? Moses went from a whiner and a complainer and negative and and feeling like a loser in Exodus chapter 3. Just listen to these verses in Exodus chapter 15. This is not the same man. This is a man who's had an encounter with his heavenly father. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. Is this the same guy 12 chapters earlier? The Lord is my strength and my defense. He's become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he has hurled into the sea. See, he's experienced miracles. He's experienced the glory of God. He's walked with God. He's seen what God can do with his problems. You think you got problems? Try leading three million people through an ocean and the Egyptian army's coming behind you. That's a problem. And he's learned that God is bigger than his challenges. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But God... You blew your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. 
And then verse 18, he says, the Lord reigns forever and forever. We're going to sing one last song this morning. It's called Encounter Me. I think this is part of the solution. I think this is how we get free. Everybody wants to be free. Nobody wants to be entrapped. But how is it that you can live in the reality of this world and still see the reality of the next world? How do you do that? You cannot do that without an encounter with your Heavenly Father. If you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe today isn't the day. Maybe this is your first day and you're trying to figure all this out. I call it progress, not perfection. Just some progress. But maybe today is your day. You've been coming enough, you've been studying enough, you've been thinking enough, and now it's time for you to give your life to Jesus. At the end of this song, there'll be prayer partners down front, and and you can do that. Let's see the realities of heaven. Let's, Let's breathe in the reality of the world that you were designed to live in. You have the glory of God inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. All of heaven is attracted to you. Let's worship him right now. Let's let him encounter us.